Do you have creamer in your coffee? I have a little bit, yeah. Okay. We're so, you're talking over oh, there talking shit. I was like, that looks a little blonde for Jonathan. It's okay. I like a little flavor. That's great. No, I don't have any of my good stuff left right now. So I'm resorting to the store store bought K cups. Okay. It's fine, you. but it's I'm fine. Not, I'm not a fan of drinking it. Okay. Straight. That's fair. Mm. Listen to that ASMR. Oh man. <laughs> I literally <laughs> fucking hate ASMR. Should I do it again then? Hang on. No, no, you're fine. It's when they do it on Spotify commercials and it's literally like them pouring a Coke. I literally get nauseous and I don't know how to tell them you can show me ads for these products. Just not those. Like I literally turn off the volume. It's so disgusting. (laughs) That's literally what it is, dude. Oh, it's disgusting. (laughs) I hate like people doing it in person's fine. It's just they isolate it so hard. And I'm yeah. like, dude, I can't – like I don't want to listen to you have all of your bodily motions in your mouth. I'm good. It's, it's just a little extra, just a, a little too much. Like I, oh, I, can, is, I can understand that. Like I I dislike the sound of people chewing. Right. Especially if – and this this is no fault of their own, but especially if it's just noisy food. Like sure. in my Like in my soul, I hate them for picking loud food. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. like if you're sitting next to me and you grab a bag of Doritos oh. and you start eating from them and your mouth is still closed, but I can hear you. I'm yeah. just like, I'm going to kill you. Murder you in your With sleep. that bag of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put the bag of Doritos over your head and suffocate you. Yes. Because so, sorry, that's mom. what you deserve. <laughs> so, yeah. So I know I, I went on vacation for some days and sat on an island and stared at the water and enjoyed nice. it. And Where'd you go? I'm going to murder you. <laughs> no one's listening anymore. It's fine. Um, so I went to uh, Camino Island. Okay. If For those who haven't been paying attention, I live in Washington State, and Camino Island is a peninsula in Washington State. So it's not an island? Yeah. I said that very correctly. That is technically accurate. I say it's a peninsula because the only thing that divides it from the mainland is a river, not an actual larger body of water. Okay. So, yeah, I stand by my statement that it's a peninsula. That's fair. So that's that's that. very fair. But it's great because not many people live on the Camino Island Peninsula, nor are there a lot of tourist attractions. Okay. So it's really a place you go when you want to get away from everybody. Nice. And the only people left around you are everyone else that wanted to get away from everybody. So so you're telling me you got to sit on a beach yeah. with a little pina colada making money from your laptop. <laughs> yes but yes no. <laughs> and other things yes no because i was on vacation nice <laughs> so you're a normal human being that's good to what, know. I, what you described is almost accurate except i took vacation from my day job so yes i made money sitting on a beach drinking a pita colada among other things among many other things but i didn't have to do any work Oh, you work for the man, Jonathan. Oh, you disgust I know. me. Nine to five sucks so hard. Gosh, you're not a real entrepreneur. Okay, that's my last one. I promise. I'm just full of sarcasm right now, and <laughs> oh, it's please. awesome. Please, I'm just. I'm, um, I'm really over the whole like. I could never work for the man. I could never have a job. 
and people try to tell me this all the time and I'm like, I could, <laughs> like, dude, I'm sorry. You, you realize if I crush it running my own thing, you don't think I'm going to crush it working for somebody else for a few years just to take a break. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not hey, opposed to it. I'm not above it. I'm sorry. I don't do this whole like ego thing of, well, I've done X, so I, I'm never going to go back. It's like, if I had to, I would. You're crazy. It's, and I think we've, we covered this at nauseum on a past episode, so I don't, I don't think we need to, to kill the horse entirely all over again. But to mildly recap that discussion, I think a lot of it comes down to how much you hate your job, right? And there's yeah. a lot of conflation between hating your job and hating working for the man, right? Right. So no one, I, I've never heard a single person complain working for the man who enjoys their job <laughs> right. or at least enjoys the money enough to think yeah. about the rest, right? Exactly. No, that makes sense. So you sent me last night a handful of topics of which were very wide. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, these well, I mean, three I, sound I, good. I had a lot of time to think about what the next episode was going to be because I had a lot of time okay. on my hands, right? Which, spent, which one did you land on or are we going to do all three? Because I'm down for all three. So I don't have your text Pull message my text. up. I still have my original list of seven. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but... um Okay, so so here's the three that I looked at. Shopify okay. two months in, which I love. Yeah. New tech recommendations, which you know I'm going to love. So I uh-huh. feel like that's you just throwing me a bone. And uh-huh. then shooting for the moon. What uh-huh. I, I don't even know what the context is for that one. I have a general idea slash assumption, but I'm probably wrong. Yeah, so on my list I wrote shooting for the moon when your neighborhood will do. That's that's ooh okay. That is that is word worded very intentionally. And um, let's go there. Cause okay. I, well, that's we'll pretty, deep. that's interesting. And I, I think I have an idea of where you're going with this and, and I somewhat agree based on my assumption of what it is, but let's, let's go ahead and prove my <laughs> assumption wrong. So in my, in my quest for world's caffeine domination, yes. Uh, one of the things that became very obvious early on and continues to be obvious to this day is that if I set my sights only on world domination shall we say or some kind of massive large goal of being the the thought leader brand leader innovation hub i don't know buzzword of of fill in the mic yeah exactly of my industry in my mind if i don't get anywhere close to that i'm gonna think i've failed even if there is actual progress and success packaged in there Sure. Because the rest of it is just so empty. I didn't get all the way there. It, okay. It's a psychological problem, right? So I agree. But let me push back on that because sure. I agree with you. But there's an argument that goes against that. And I'm not sure which side of the fence I actually land on because I'm kind of like in between. It depends. Where there is something to be said about like, you know, if you aim for, let's say, a $100 million business, but you end up at $10 million, Oh, you failed, but you still theoretically got further than if you aimed for a $10 million business. I'm not sure how that works in reality, to be frank. No idea. Um, But I can say operating and making decisions based on I want to get to this large goal, you know, climbing that massive mountain, I think it's easier for you to make progress towards the thing you really want. If that makes sense, right? Because it's like the people who start businesses, not companies, but businesses, and they're like, yeah, I just want to do like 10 grand a month. And like, that's it, like revenue, not even net profit. Well, the decisions they're making are completely different than the person who's like, I'm trying to do 100 grand a month in revenue and have 10 grand a month in net profit, right? Like fundamentally, the way you approach it can be different. At least that's where my mind goes. And that's my assumption. Um, Because 
I've kind of been doing that with the, the software company, right? Is like the way, you know, I've always said this is going to easily be a $10 million a year business. And that's what I want, like straight up. And I think us making decisions from that frame of mind puts things into perspective and helps us make some decisions that otherwise we would, we would, we would have made differently. Um, there's something to be said about that, but I agree with you to a certain degree of, you know, you, you don't want to feel like you failed when you're actually succeeding because <laughs> right, <laughs> it's right. all relative. So then I look at it, you know, fleshing this out a bit more here, right. Live on the spot with my coffee is that it's not, it's not a terrible idea to have such a, you know, a, a moonshot goal. Right. But at the yeah. same time to actually make that pan out, it's also incredibly helpful and healthy to have smaller kind of like check-in goals. Oh, I agree. Along the yeah, way, your right? milestones, right? Like, you know, we're we're actually about to come up on a massive milestone for the company. Um, it's certainly my entrepreneurial business owner peak. It it does make sense to take a step back because I'm such a performer and pusher of like, cool, we hit this and that's awesome. But to me, it's only ten percent of our goal. You know, so like I do keep it in perspective of it's only ten percent. But I do take a step back and view it from the other perspective and say, yeah, but look at what we've done. Like, you have to. Like, like you know, we, we finally got our little Vindrive t-shirts in, which is kind of cool. Um, so we're all wearing them today, being super dorky, like, startup guys, I guess. Nerds. Um, but, like, the walls are painted blue now. And, like, we just got, like, our Vindrive logo put up on the wall in, like, 3D. Like, you know, it feels real now. And so um, it's definitely hitting me. And we and we have done this. Me, me and my co-founder, James, have actually taken like 30 minutes in the conference room and just, cause we have like a glass conference room and just looked out and we're like, dude, look what we built. Like, look mm-hmm. what we've accomplished in, in two, three years. And in the way, or the perspective I have on it is like, look what we've accomplished so far. And we're only just getting started. We're only 10%. So imagine what the next 20, 30, 50, 60% of our goal is going to feel and look like. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be a positive driver, but I think like most things you have to reverse engineer what you want, right? It's like, you know, if you don't want a $10 million a year business, you shouldn't feel obligated to have that. You know what I mean? And I think if you want the neighborhood and not the moonshot, be cool with that and be comfortable with that. And don't feel obligated to do this massive thing because that's what other people tell you you should do. And that's what other people want. It's not how this works. It's purely subjective, right? Like I, at some point, and this is my own personal biases, like growing up, you know, I was labeled and considered learning disabled, right? Like had like five different things and blah, blah, blah. It, it was all horse shit, but it messes, it messes with you. It really does. And I was told, you know, I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to, you know, graduate, blah, blah, blah. I'm really not going to amount to much. And I believed that for a long period of time until I really like discovered books and started to grow as a person and went back to school full time, graduated with a great GPA while starting the software company. Like, so to me, it's less about the financial ego side and it's more of a search for what is my true ceiling because I used to think my ceiling as a human being was fairly low and I started to push against that and it kept moving. And every time I push against it, it, it moves. And so now I'm on this journey, if you will, of, well, where does it actually exist? And my theory is that it doesn't. And so for me, I'm viewing things from that perspective. Well, a lot of people don't really have these messed up, you know, um, personal beliefs being, you know, growing up and having people tell them these negative things, right? A lot of people are like, no, I'm good. Like I'm content. I'm happy with where I am. And I just want to do this thing. This is my checkbox. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think it's apples to oranges, but, but I, I think how you 
draft your perspective on that depends on what you're aiming for. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think you've touched on the, the nuance of my, my idea here better than I did. And I had several days to, <laughs> and to I'm learning disabled it. Jonathan. Right. Well, see, you are, <laughs> you're, you're a disabled human because you're not human. Right. We all know exactly. this. Well, right? yeah, all, all of I'm, the I'm tests. augmented is what I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Augmented. Yeah. Okay. If you, yeah. Um, family show, Dylan, um, <laughs> Back on topic, you did you did hit what I was ultimately trying to get at better than I was managing to do, which is par for the course on this quality program. Um, in that, you know, what I'm thinking about what what do I want this business to look like, right? Like I have, you know, a, a, a massive spectrum, right? Like I'm I came to the conclusion early on because I'm doing this I'm doing this mostly for fun, but the money is also kind of neat, kind of yeah. kind of a thing, right? Sure. So. My expectations are I just want this to work at bare minimum, right? Like it's it's one of those operations that I have to do very little <laughs> passive income. Uh, <laughs> Living that four uh, hour work week. Right. Hey, we go go sit on my beach with my laptop. We're gonna, we're gonna make all of this money. Come watch my YouTube series and I wanna do it, man. Nine hundred and ninety seven dollars. Sign up um, for my course, two grand starting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going down the hill so fast. And we're only 13 minutes in. Oh, man. This will never air. Um, <laughs> I, I realized that even if I just get to the point where, you know, I'm making four figures in profit a month, right? Like, okay, I know I have a day job. All my bills are paid. I have plenty of money left over from that. Like, this is, this is fun money in a, a quite literal sense in that I'm doing a thing for fun and money is happening because of it, right? So any... Anything that shows like the the initial threshold of yes, this is working. Good job, Jonathan. You did it. Hooah! Is the the profit graph is going up into the right? Sure. Right. So that's that's like the first threshold, right? So in my mind, that's how I describe like the neighborhood versus the moon, right? Whereas the moon is exponential, right? Kind like, of growth. Yeah. Like you're not going to do that as a side project. Like you're not like a moonshot. You know. The definition, which is now popular, like going for your moonshot is like something that's super hard to accomplish. It's going to take f- like forever, theoretically. And like you have to have exponential growth, right? Like you see this a lot with startups. Like, no, this is our moonshot. Like I'm trying to do something that is feasibly impossible that requires like a thousand percent of my focus. Like nothing else can exist in my life. Like that's that's the sacrifice for a moonshot. And then – that doesn't, but that doesn't have alignment with what you want right now from what we've talked about, right? Like you don't want to quit your job. You love your job. So it's like a moonshot doesn't make sense for you because <laughs> it is binary. Now you do have to choose. And so you going for a neighborhood, so to speak, does make sense. And that's where I, I believe it's subjective, right? It's, it doesn't have to be, and that's, that's what's annoying, right? It's like, we have all these assumptions of, you know, you have to do it this way. Fun fact. No, you don't. Like you reverse engineer what you want out of it and let it be its thing. Um, and yeah, listen, if it started to really, really take off, now you have another decision where you could be like, you know what? This could replace my income from my job now. And like I do love doing this and I do want to build this and maybe it's worth it. But you don't have to make that decision now. That's the cool part, right? And in terms of like the money, yeah, it's it's nice to not have to need it, which 
is a nice competitive advantage that a lot of other people won't have. And I think that's a very important thing, right? Because you see this a lot, especially with Amazon sellers, where they're like, oh, I quit my job. I started a business yesterday. I'm like, cool, go get another job because you're literally going to be stealing, quote unquote, the profits from your business that would enable it to grow faster, right? Like you're not reinvesting in your business forever. And like, that's, that makes no sense. Like now you're actually hurting your, your income a year from now versus go get another job, stick it out for a year or two, let that thing compound, reinvest everything back into it. And then in two years, you've got something really substantial and which is awesome, right? So like you going up against, you know, other startup coffee brands, like you win just based off that, in my opinion, right. Assuming they're, they're in a different position. Um, and it it takes a lot of the stress away from it, right? Because you don't need to hit, you know, four figures in net profit like month one, right? Right. <laughs> like a I'd lot of people try to do that. Break even in month one, like at least to me, like yeah. that just proves that it's working. And you know, it, it would be it would actually be really hard to break even in month one just because the margin's so high. Sure. Like I very very purposefully engineered everything so that discounts can't compound like yeah. discount totals can never be beyond a certain amount. Like there's, I would have to give stuff away just outright in order to make that kind of a dent. And you know, what? I kind of joked about four hour work week there for a second, but you, what you basically are describing is, is a muse, right? So the M M U S E is a muse. Um, like it's a sandbox, right? Like you're creating this business as a sandbox to play in. And I think that's perfectly worthwhile, right? It's like, more people should have the financial stability of a job, play with starting a new type of business just because you want to learn, right? Fun fact, you can start a business just to learn, not to make money. People think you have to do that. It's starting this, you know, do, being able to do this in my own time, being nights, weekends, vacations, I did spend a lot of my vacation time working on this very intentionally. Like I told my wife, I was like, look, a lot of our downtime, I'm just going to be sitting here plugging away at this because I want to wrap this up and get this shit out the door. You know, and it's a perfect time to do it because there's very little distraction, right? Like, what? What is a seagull going to do? Like, is it going to show up and tell me I have a new email I need to read? Like, no, that's not that's not how it works. So, because I could kind of do this my own pace, using my own resources, not having to worry about how quickly I can get this started to pay the bills, things like that, it allowed me to dive into every or practically every component of this business, especially things that I didn't know, things that I didn't know how to do, things that I didn't even know you need to think about. Like, let me tell you how boring the FDA guidelines are on food packaging, right? Like, that's that's like what I'm talking about, right? Like, if you've ever seen a, a sentence diagram, you know, the horizontal line with the angled ones that come off of it, right? That's essentially how this process was, right? Like, you start, you, you start it, and then you deviate once, and you're like, okay, wow, there's like four things in here, and then you deviate three more times, right? Like, and then you go all the way back up, and you move on to the next thing. And like, there, there was to say there was a lot to learn and a lot to uncover and understand is an understatement, and that was very intentional, right? There, there was it, it at no point was like, wow, I'm in over my head here because I wanted to learn every single component of this, right? Like, I wanted to learn how to design packaging. Right. Like I spent a lot of time working that out. Right. Like you've seen, I think you've seen some of the, some of the artwork, right? Like I got, you know, every single, you know, I hit my end goal where every single label has its own artwork. Right. Because I love that. I spent the time to figure out how to do that. And now it looks perfect. Right. Like because I was willing to put in that effort. And I think more so because I had the ability to take the time to do that, it feels way more satisfying getting to this end goal 
than if it was just something I picked off of a truck in China and repackaged and or not even repackaged, right? Just slapped a, yeah. a barcode on it. And, and that's what most people somewhere. do, right? So a lot of people go, oh, I'm starting a brand, but they paid somebody on Fiverr 20 bucks to design their logo, slapped a brand on it, called it a call or slapped their logo on it, called it a brand. And it's really a white label. And a lot of people have been told this false lie of a false lie. Sorry. That's a double negative, a lie, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is you're the founder. You shouldn't be doing any of this, uh, wrong. It's called hard work and it's called running a freaking business. I'm sorry. That takes time and you have to build a skill set. I'm not saying you need to go learn how to code. I'm not saying you need to go become an expert at graphic design, but you need to know enough to be able to call bullshit, right? I need to know enough about SEO and about paid advertising on Facebook to be able to say that strategy is not going to work and here's why. Or no, even though we're paying a third-party vendor to help us with a lot of this stuff just because of capacity – if it's quality or not. Otherwise, you don't know. You you could be out here and be like, oh, I'm just going to hire people to do all that. Yeah, what if they do a crap job? What if they, they, they're they literally char- charging you triple and you don't even know it? So now you're an idiot. You yeah, know what because, I mean? Because you didn't know what you were hiring them for. Like, There's a difference between offloading the work to somebody that can get the job done and then just offloading it because you don't want to do it, right? Like, as a, as a founder, it's important to know I don't want to say no everything because like there is like there is a threshold, right? Like it's 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 safe to hire an accountant because you don't want to do your own books. Like that's fine, right? Because the books aren't part of your business unless you're an accounting firm. Um, but like if you're designing a product, you know, a, a thing, right? Like you need to at least have a vague understanding of what goes into making that thing exist, all the way down to like what format does the artwork have to be in and why is that important, right? Because then when you do hire somebody and you're interviewing them, you want to make sure they know all of that information and know how to do it right. But if you don't know how to do it, how do you know they're going to know how to do it? 100%. And so one thing that's you know plagued me for a little while, which is my own insecurity, is being a non-technical founder in a technical company. Like that kind of sucks, right? But then you realize, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm a generalist. I don't know if that's good. But the more you look into it, the more you realize – being a business owner, especially in like a startup kind of culture or just, you know, starting something new, you have to be a generalist. What you need to be is a generalist because the skill set of a generalist is very meta. I know how to learn things very quickly. I know how to create analogies that help me understand complex things very quickly. And I'll give you a prime example. When we started to interview software engineers, I could have a conversation, you know, a high enough level about microservices and architecture and be able to see that person respond and be like, they said they, they've done and worked on these types of projects on their resume, but they can't actually have a general conversation. So if you can't have a general conversation as an actual software engineer with me, who's not technical, you're not a good fit. And so again, James is going to roast you. <laughs> right. And, but what's great is like, it'll, it gives me the confidence to pass or, or, or go with, or, you know, pass or, 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 um, you know, bring somebody on to the next, next round. But I do that with everything, right? So like you have to be able to learn the best practices very quickly. And I think a lot of business owners are not familiar with terms like best practices, right? Because there's a lot of terms that, you know, come from the software space that are normal, but not normal to normal, you know, small business owners. And so you, you have to be able to say, okay, well, what's the best practice for SEO? What's the best practice for, Facebook ads, what's the best practice for hiring and recruiting and blah, blah, blah. Like 
you have to get really good at learning a lot very quickly. Again, not to be an expert. You're getting to a critical threshold through which you can call bullshit. That's, that's my measurement. If I can do that successfully, I understand enough to operate and to manage. Because it's – here's my whole thing about like people are like, oh, well, you should just be managing people and teams. I'm like, I agree. But why do you assume you already have the skill set and the knowledge to do so, especially for a technical role, right? You have people that are super non-technical, don't even understand what HTML and CSS is, and they're like, oh, I'm going to go hire a software engineer to build my web app for me. How? How are you going to truly convey what you want? How do you decide what the system architecture is going to be? How do you decide if something was done correctly or wrong? How do you know by looking at the code if it's spaghetti code or truly clean and going to be fine? You don't. And you don't know how much you should estimate the cost of that project to be because you can't be like, oh, that sounds simple. Shouldn't take more than 30 minutes. But what sounds simple through speech is not (laughs) converted simply to actual execution. Something that sounds simple to do might take an engineer or even just a developer three days to do just because of the sheer complexities of, of how it's built. And so you have all these people that make these wild assumptions because they're an entrepreneur, they're a business owner, and then they just land flat on their back because they're unwilling to take the time to actually learn and grow as a leader, which by the way you are if you are managing people. To do it correctly, you're just you're, – you're, you're wanting a lifestyle business, and that's fine, but you need to have some clarity on that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You need to be like, listen, I'm unwilling to learn anything here. Um, I just want to hire experts and move on. But no, you're going to spend way more money than what you budgeted for. Go ahead and triple your budget because that's probably what it's going to end up coming out to be. It shouldn't be that hard, right? The internet is just a series of tubes after all. That's a reference. Oh my gosh. It's, you know what's funny? It's not difficult. If you want to learn literally anything, and I'm this guy, I will go buy a course on it. Not even an expensive course. Like literally a $50 to $100 course on anything, YouTube. Guys, there are literally blogs and channels dedicated to the most specific things you could ever want to learn. <laughs> like you are good. Is somebody breaking into your apartment right now from the roof? <laughs> <laughs> I heard um, that. I think the neighbors upstairs are assembling furniture. Or having like a jam session? Jeez. I don't even know. Oh, it, gosh. It sounds like they're inside the walls. Uh, That's the crazy. come from inside the house. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But, but okay. think about that, right? It's like reverse engineer it. What do you need to learn? Okay, I know we're going to go into a microservices architecture. Okay, I don't need to know how to build it, but I need to understand what that means. I need to be able to have a real conversation. I need to be able to search microservices architecture best practices. Okay, now when somebody says, oh, we're going to do this, and I thought the best practice was that, I can at least say, hey, why this instead of that? I'm at least getting them to explain it to me and, and kind of justify it. And they might be like, actually, I just didn't consider that. We should go that route. Okay, now I'm providing some value. Or they're like, yeah, that is the best practice, but what we're doing here is slightly different than normal. Therefore, we need this type of architecture than that. Okay, makes sense. You justified it to me enough. We can move on here, right? Um, it just it, – it dumbfounds me how little founders read. Ask most business owners, what's the last book you read? And they go, what? I'm busy hustling. I don't have time to read. I'm like, you don't have time to grow as a human to grow your business? I'm sorry. Uh that's not how this works. Like, no, take five hours from your week and read one hour a day. 
Like you're doing your business no justice. You are literally not growing as a human. And by the way, the person you have to be to run a $10 million a year business versus a $1 million a year business versus a hundred grand a year business are vastly different, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which means you have to grow. And if you're not making time to grow, great. Your business is not really going to move. Sorry. Welcome to growth, Dylan. Welcome to growth. That's the whole freaking point. You know, it's in what's funny is like, I'm, I'm shifting more and more into different roles because, you know, we're hiring people and, and I, I manage multiple hats. Um, first thing I do, what's the best book on this thing, right? I want to be, you know, I'm not taking the CEO role. I'm taking the COO role, like uh, chief operations officer. Cause I love operations. Cause I'm just a geek, but I'm like, cool. What, what five books do I need to go read right now to make me a top performing COO? It's not difficult. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> like, why don't people do this? You know, like that's that's my question. I'll, I'll admit, I'll be the I'll be the first one to admit live here on this program that uh, the last book I read had nothing to do with business. Well, that's uh, the last book I read. Last, well, I'm reading it right now is Dune. So that has literally, well, it's got some leadership qualities, but it's just a good book. So no, I I, I mean, it's yeah. I would rather you read period than read nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, thanks. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Don't read books just because of hashtag business. It should be, what are you, again, reverse engineer. What are you trying to accomplish? Okay, how do we go find knowledge, right? So Einstein, well, it's attributed to Einstein. There's some controversy there. Said that every problem fits in one of two categories. The first category is that it's a physics problem. Is it physically possible? Well, for the most part, what we're doing in business, all of it is physically possible, <laughs> right? We're not trying to like shove a Coke can through a conference room table, like, Physics is, is not a problem here. Um, therefore, it's in group two, which is a knowledge problem. You just don't have the knowledge to do X, Y, or Z. Okay, that's a good thing because guess what? You can go get the knowledge, and it's relatively cheap. So if you view everything through that lens, you reverse engineer your goal. You say, what kind of problems do I have? They're knowledge problems. Okay, that's less daunting than I thought it was going to be. And then the next question is, who's got that knowledge? Is it a book? Is it a course? Is it a YouTube channel? I don't know. Let's go find out. I think that's a that that's a good spot to tie that that particular one off. I think ultimately, if I had to sum up my what I was ultimately getting at, if you've made it even this far, congratulations, uh, welcome to the elite <laughs> club. Is that it's entirely healthy to set small goals for yourself. Like there's there's absolutely nothing wrong no. with saying. My goal is to make a thousand dollars this month, or my goal is to make any money this month, or my goal is to lose less than I did last month. Right? Like, those are those are entirely healthy, safe goals to achieve. Yeah. Because then, once you've crossed that, which you will, then you can make the next thing. Right? Now I've yeah. made a thousand dollars a month. Let's go for five. Right? Let's set the next goal. All right, in three months, we're going to make five thousand dollars in profit, and then three months later, like, okay, now we're going to make go to fifteen. Right? Like, yep. you can. You create the you end up creating these checkpoints for yourself because you have all of these little small goals. So then your your neighborhood, as we're trying to use in this very poor analogy, starts getting a little bit bigger and now it becomes a city and then it becomes this, you know, country. Well we'll link to in this show notes. I wrote a post on how I reverse engineer all my goals for the year. I use Airtable to do that. And what I do is I say, Okay, this is the massive annual goal that I want to accomplish this year. And then each quarter I sit down and say, okay, what needs to be accomplished this quarter to keep me on track for hitting that annual goal? Then each month I sit down and say, okay, what needs to be accomplished this month to be on track to hit that quarterly goal to hit, which will help me, you know, hit that annual goal. 
And then each week, every single Sunday, I sit down, go through my monthly goals. What needs to get done this week? Because if I do that correctly, theoretically, I'm just on track. But what I'm not doing is looking at, you know, um, the software company does tons of revenue. It's like, no, I just need to reach out to this person to get a strategic partnership on Tuesday. <laughs> like you're taking these massive goals and you're just reducing them down into actual tasks that can be accomplished this week. And I think that's completely fine because you're you're not getting so overwhelmed by the massive annual goal. Because by the way, if it's Q1, like you shouldn't be stressed. <laughs> like you shouldn't be stressed until Q4 for not hitting your annual goals because that's kind of how that works. But you should be consumed with your Q1 goals in Q1 and then Q2 goals in Q2. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I mean, in in more normal times, right, we would be in Q3 or 4, but now we're, uh, I don't know about you, but here it's March 166th. Like we're still, you know, (laughs) we haven't haven't made it out of Q1 yet, uh, technically, (laughs) uh, in in these trying times now more than ever, America. Um, yeah, I think, I think the people get it. I definitely get it. And it's, it, I definitely, it it really, it really sunk in as I was building this, that really just seeing it start working is like, once the first sales come in and I didn't have anything to do with them. Right. Like that's. Yeah. Well, it it highlight that, right? Yeah. Because the moment somebody buys something from you who does not know you. You just won. <laughs> like yeah. that is such that's a, like it. literally in, in startups, um, especially in the tech space, that's a major milestone that like angels will ask, have you had somebody buy something from you? I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. Oh gosh, that was so violent. Um, <laughs> have, has somebody bought something from you who does not know you yet? And if you go, yes, they're like, okay, that's pretty big. If yeah. you go, no, everybody who has purchased from us knows me. Okay, that's different, right? Like you, the moment you get to strangers, like you're you're doing something. The the moment you get strangers, you've won. See, it's all about perspective, Jonathan. <laughs> so in and this, I think our, our our next bullet on the list, I think ties in pretty well because in my quest to understand all of the components of this, um, I, I will tell a very brief story. Very brief story. Uh, maybe about uh, sales tax here in the state of Washington. Washington, like 46 other states and districts combined. I couldn't, I honestly could not tell you the list of states that collect sales tax. I can tell you the states that don't, which says something about the system. (laughs) Uh, Oregon, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, New Hampshire. Um, Washington, for all of its faults, generally has a system that's not terrible. It could be better, but it's not terrible, right? So generally, if things are food-type stuff or sold for resale, no sales tax, right? Generally, right? That's that's the overarching. There's things like candy and soda and other sweet things that maybe get taxed. I don't know. It's a thing. But we have this thing in our state, not unlike some states, but not every state, where if the item was taxed, the shipping for said item is as well. Which oh. is a little strange. Yeah, I know the look on your face. Listeners can't see it, but that's the, that's the same look. It's puzzling. Is that you know you're not you as the the retailer are not doing the shipping. You're passing along the cost from the company that you've contracted to ship, and they've technically, at least they should be, anyways. You know, they're they're wrapping the sales tax they're collecting into the the the, the fee that they've charged you. So technically, 
by reselling, repackaging, forwarding, whatever. Like you should not have to be collecting sales tax again because sales tax is already paid on that right. thing, right? That thing right. being the shipping of an item from point A to point B, right? That's generally how the law works. But here in Washington, this is where it gets weird is that, well, it's an all or nothing deal, right? So in my case, because I'm selling uh, food items for consumption to end users, I don't have to collect sales tax on the items. Therefore, I don't have to collect sales tax on the shipping. Okay. But in my quest to understand everything about Shopify, after two months of, of spending just about every day with it, Shopify doesn't understand that concept. And it's a very glaring hole in their system. And they've sort of admitted that it's a problem that needs to be solved, but they don't know when or if it'll ever be solved. Hey, so, AKA, that's not really a priority right now, my dude. <laughs> right. So I spent, I spent the better part of an hour with Shopify support last night. Yeah, asking them how do I how do I make this work? Because if I ever sell non, you know, if I ever sell items that are that are taxable, uh, I can't set a statewide sales tax exemption on shipping because then I either have to eat the shipping cost right. or increase my shipping cost to account for it. Like I have to do some other thing, sure, to create this separate set of logic for this separate set of items. Whereas you, the platform that's supposed to be helping me calculate all of this stuff, should just be able to do it for me. So I spent a ton of time on that. I was like, look, here's the here's the page on the uh, Department of Revenue website. Like, see this line right here out of this whole thing that's not important. They're like, huh. Yeah, I guess that's a thing. It's like, Fuck. <laughs> Welcome to you edge cases, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, edge cases suck. It's like, and I'm like, well, because like, so their documentation says just yes, outright. If, you know, you have to collect sales tax on shipping. It's like, that's also wrong. So I don't blame them for taking the approach they did because it is easier. And a lot of states do just, just either yes or no, right? Like yeah. it's, you either collect sales tax on shipping or you don't, you know, okay. like Wyoming, you don't. How do I know that? Because it's the next one on the list and it said no. I didn't just go look up, you know what? I wonder what Wyoming's doing today. <laughs> it's little things like that that I've discovered doing e-commerce for myself that it's just like I can understand why a lot of people don't want to do this because this is just one of the little nitpicks yeah, <laughs> that have that have surfaced, right? Like, sure, I, you know, I have things like a, a loyalty program, and that is somehow an incredibly painful process to find a blend of features and not going bankrupt, spending money on it. Oh yeah, no, they're super super expensive when you actually. So like we we have like affiliate platforms, yeah. um, and even looking at them, you're like, why are you like five hundred bucks a month? Mm-hmm. Like, like it makes no sense or you can go cheaper, but you're getting literally no value. Yes. There was one platform I, I wanted to use because I really liked the interface. I liked the way it appeared on the site. Like everything was, everything was great. Right. In order to, this is where, this is where I jumped off the ship in order to tie in the data that they have with my email provider. I have to spend, what was it? Almost $300 a month. Yeah. It sounds about right. Just for the privilege <laughs> or or I could piecemeal it, okay, and I can I can add on like a hundred and fifty dollar add on just for that one component. So I can go three hundred dollars and get a bunch of stuff, or just one hundred and fifty for that one thing. But then, like, I also want to do like birthday rewards, so that's another fifteen dollar yeah. add on. Refer a friend, that's another fifty. Right? So there, there's like this piecemeal thing that they've got. If you like, only want a couple of things, you can pay a little bit of money. Sure, but that's not what? a little bit though. That, like, if it was like an extra fifty bucks a month, sure, a hundred and fifty. Yeah. No, it was a little spicy, right? Yeah, so I was like, okay, well. 
I'm like two weeks away from launching, but I'm going to dump this anyways and start over. So I did. And I went to Smile, which is an interesting name. Their interface is less ideal and it's not as fully featured. But you know what? It they works. have a direct integration and it's only $49. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can look over literally everything else. Just because I have that data at my disposal now. Well, in worst case, if you have to re- rebuild it and once once it's kind of up running and getting consistent sales, now yeah. that three hundred, you're like, that's fine. It makes sense now because now the ROI on that three hundred dollar expenditure is different than it is now. Right. So that's fine. See, that's even normal. even then, like there's there's a lot that Smile can do for me for forty nine dollars. Yeah. That Loyalty Lion, the other the other program, it. It would have been a long time before that three hundred dollars was justified, just because yeah, I agree. the cross the cross section is very similar between those two plans. So okay. I was like, "There's no, there's no argument here." Like, you know, Smile is less ideal in in a lot of like visual ways, and interacting with it's kind of a pain in the ass. But sure, it does everything I need to, right? Like, it'll you know, it allows me to create coupons, allows me to create dollar discounts, free shipping, refer a friend, dinguses, birthday yeah. dinguses, like all of the things, right? Okay. It's, it's just little things like that. Like it, it, it makes me sad almost, not quite, but almost sad that the the market for tools like this for e-commerce centric businesses, they're either really expensive, not expensive at all, but don't really do anything, or they're both. And if you wanted to actually do anything helpful, you have to fork over a kidney. But, but here's my counter to that, because I see this a lot. So a lot of people, especially like in the, the Amazon space, always complain about like softwares cost too much. I'm like, you have no clue because you want to know who spends the most amount on software? Other freaking software companies. Oh, my God. We need so much stuff. And like you guys are arguing about like $100 a month. Yeah, we're spending like five to seven to $900 per month on like a single piece of software that like we have to have um, to operate. Um, but what we've started to be like is – Okay, well, if that's the case, that means that's a nice opportunity to do if we wanted to pivot or start another software company, right? Because like people still need those, and that's a huge. Okay, so it's either super cheap and you, you don't get any value, which means their churn rate is going to be super high, or they're too expensive, which means they're too upmarket. What happens when you go right down the middle? You become the value play, probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I came across a few that were looking to kind of fill in that gap. And they were all kind of just terrible. Like they they had like weird quirks about them, or the the way they structured their tiers was super arbitrary. Like I'd found another one that was that did most of what I wanted, but I still wanted that email integration. And they were going to charge me two hundred and fifty dollars for the privilege, and I was like, Jesus! <laughs> Send an email that costs nothing on on the server side, right? Like, and get it's, out and of it's here! Like there isn't even a ton of data for them to share, right? It's like basically how many points does this person have? Like, what was their, like, how long has it been since they've claimed, like, there's like three data points you can collect out right. of it, right? Because everything else is already in your, you know, your, your Shopify or whatever, right? I'm just like, you're not, you're not selling me on this no. <laughs> at all. Like it's, and so, yeah, I, I stuck with the $49 option because to me that was like, okay, I could stomach 49 bucks to just get everything I need and then just forget about the rest because the, the data and the the completeness of it was more important than how it looked. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's it's function, not form, right? Like when you're getting started, you're like just work. <laughs> like yes, please. It doesn't need to be perfect. Just work. Just work. <laughs> let me get let me get this thing launched, and then we will circle back around. Yeah. So, Welcome to beta. 
I kept having this question, this, this is the thought exercise, if you will, about just about everything I have integrated with my store right now, right? Like I have a, uh, a an eco-friendly app, if you will, that does carbon offsetting for, for shipping and things like that. And like that is surprisingly like no one makes anything great. Like it, it seems like a really <laughs> trivial thing to do, right? Sure. Pull the order, check the distance, calculate the number, charge the person. But like there's just not – there aren't wouldn't many people that you, yeah, do but, it. But wouldn't you need current like fuel costs and stuff like that in real time too? So now you have so to I mean, like scrape well, that fuel, data. Well, I guess you could regardless of how much fuel easy. costs, it's generally going to output the roughly the same amount of carbon, right? This is where we're carbon offsetting here. So uh, that's whether it's that's $5 a gallon or $2 a gallon, it's still X pounds of CO2, et cetera, right? Like, so oh, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So it's, it's a relatively – it's a simple enough calculation, right? And all I wanted to do was just have it done automatically. Like I don't, you know, I, I wanted it to be offset, but I don't want the customer to have to think about it, right? This is just a thing we're doing. Good for you. Buy a thing. We'll offset the carbon from shipping it to you, you know? But like, there's, there's no easy way for me to calculate that unless I go through each and every order and plug in, see how many miles it is and, you know, start doing all the math myself. So I was like, all right, I need to find somebody that can do that for me. There's got to be an API few. you can tie into and just build that. <laughs> yeah, I was up on, so close to it. <laughs> on a, on a little like server, you know what I mean? Like just make it API focused and then just have it like drop you even in like an Excel spreadsheet, like every order and it just yeah. calculates and throws it on like a Google sheet and you're like, cool, done. Yeah. There were, there were very few that would do it automatically without giving the customer an option to okay. opt in. Like I just wanted it to happen. Like the sure. customers, the customer doesn't get a choice. They're not charged for it. It just happens, right? So yeah. I found one. I think there's only one out there besides the one that Shopify does, which is super opaque. Like there's no metrics, nothing. Yeah. Okay. They just bill you. It just shows up as a line item on your bill that gives me at least enough data to be like, hey, look, we've offset 596 pounds of of stuff this month, or so. you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's really all I wanted. Like that's it to me. Sure. It didn't seem hard, but Apparently it was. So anybody out there who's making an app for Shopify, please actually think about if you were the user, how would you want it to work? Right. <laughs> Cause I feel like that's, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's not that difficult. Like I'm thinking through the, the execution or, or the creation of that and like how I would do it being really non-technical. Like, like obviously I'm going to need to like, play with some APIs to do the calculation. I'm just going to do that in Python, throw it up in like a Heroku database or just like on a server. Um, just ping that every time I get an order. So that's another API that I'm basically just for every order. I'm just going to push that over, hit that, get it returned, literally dump that into like Google sheets or freaking Airtable, and then have Zapier once a month or once a week, do a lookup, for the total amount offset, then create a draft campaign and whatever campaign software that I'm using for email, use that number as a variable, just replace it using the same template. And then I just check every Thursday and go, looks great. Send it. There you go. You've got you know like I mean? 90% like, <laughs> of it right there. Like the, <laughs> like, the remaining 10%, you know, of that 10%, 5% is the, the app that integrates with the Shopify dashboard. Right. And the other 5% is what do you do after you've collected that money? How do you, you know, how do you actually see it to completion? And in this particular case, it's 
planting trees that absorb carbon dioxide. Right. You know, plant X number of trees every Y pounds and, or not even, you don't even have to plant it. Just give somebody money that does the planting. Right. Yeah. Like some, so I'm saying there's tree there's replanting projects, yeah. right? There's, Pro- there's literally projects. services that, that will do that for you. And I guarantee you at least one will have an API you can, you can tag into. <sighs> That's my little mini rant about Shopify apps. I'll tell you, <laughs> there are a lot out there and they all, and most of them kind of suck or they suck in odd I ways. wonder how difficult it would be to build a Shopify app. I feel like it couldn't be that bad. So I'll tell you, if you have any, if you've been exposed to programming at all, Shopify has a framework, a, a Ruby on Rails based framework. Um, uh, you and Nerdler, Ruby on Rails, uh, goodness. When you feed it various bits of required Shopify info to access their private APIs, like, that's like three quarters of the way there, right? right. Like it's got to build, build out the custom logic and, and <laughs> yeah. the, the interface, but then like the, the bones are already ready to go. Right? Yeah, you can right. roll off of that and be up in a few weeks. You know, yeah, that makes sense. No big deal. So that's my, that's my event about Shopify apps. Thanks for, thanks for coming. This has been a quality episode. No, luckily for you, you're an engineer, so you could theoretically, if you, if you needed to build that out, just bare bones. Oh. Not that sounds not exciting, but it also sounds exciting. <laughs> that's that's been a wonderful itch to scratch in my brain. Sorry, but you also don't want to have to maintain it. <laughs> that's the downside. Understanding how Shopify's uh, like theming system works. Yeah, and I've I've been familiar. I've I've worked with Liquid before. Liquid for for those really unfamiliar. I'm sorry. This is super down a rabbit hole. <laughs> super dorky. You'll get it. I promise. It'll be relevant. Um, Shopify invented a, a pseudo pro programming language for, uh, designing web pages essentially. Oh, okay. Uh, called liquid it's, it's, you have, you have little like start and end tags, right? They basically indicate, you know, we're going to start here, do a thing. He, everything below this is related to the thing we're doing, process that transpile it, convert it into whatever our end goal is, and then end it, move on. Right. Like, so, you know, if you have 10 things on a list, and you want to format them a certain way. It's like a you diff. tell it to loop through the ten things. Here's the chunk of uh, of code you want to use to format each particular thing. Okay. And then when we're done, we exit out. We move on to the next thing. Right. That's the the high level of it. Like, and then I basically just described every programming language ever. But <laughs> it's generally, you know, <laughs> programming languages are all generally the same. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just specific to 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 web pages you know like everything is everything is done in the web page when they read the code they read all of the the special instructions they're in and then present the final result right that's that's essentially how it works so shopify a shopify theme has dozens dozens of individual files that compile to the end store and hundreds if not thousands of lines of code in many of them it is a very complex system really? oh my god but it is so thrilling to dig through that if you're ever remotely interested in it i recommend reading their documentation sitting down with a nice <laughs> cup of coffee <laughs> or three fire, you'll take a nap in the middle of it I, but i'm it's surprised it's really that complex I, you you would it figure is. because it's an app store marketplace right you want that to be as low friction as possible so here's where the low friction part of it comes in you don't have to do any of that yourself if you don't want to right like a lot like like other platforms like wordpress for example right like you can sure. just download a theme and up and shove it in there and it just oh, works right yeah. shopify does you can do the exact same thing right? okay you can go to their their theme store 
pick one out for free or pay money for it and yeah. it just kind of gets shoved in there and it works, right? And then you're just tweaking whatever you want to tweak. Okay, right. that's that's good. Okay. Once it's in, you could do just you could do anything you want, right? Okay. And that's that's the fascinating part and that's where I'm, my head's currently at because I'm working on kind of a flow, a prompt if you will, like a build your own subscription box type thing. Okay. For the coffee where yeah. You know, you want to you want to join the coffee club, <laughs> and you know it's like okay, well, what kind of coffee do you like? Do you like medium sure. roast? Do you like dark roast? And like it, it, a bunch of question and answer sessions. Yeah, you know, and then it's like, well, how much do you drink a month? It's like, all right, well, that's about four bags. So what kind of you like dark roast and you like single origins? So here are your choices. Which one sounds appealing to you, right? Like you pick through it. Like it's basically funneling somebody through. Yeah, you just and have conditional end, logic. Auto adds to the cart. You don't have okay. to do any thinking, right? You know what's cool though? You could do which because I'm not an engineer. My mind immediately goes to like a, a conditional logic type form, and then depending on where it ends up, it just reroutes you to a URL with basically that package, and you just go add to cart. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> just about how the system would have to work, right? Like so. If you're if you're if your code and you're actually on an active page of a Shopify store, you can get to a lot of things relatively trivial effort, right? Like you can't you can't access the Shopify store data from the outside without lots of authentication and things like that. But if you're on the page, there's a lot of information at your disposal. Things like all of the products, what they cost. You can do search queries on all of it. You oh, can nice. add to cart automatically. Like you yeah, know, you can do a lot of stuff. With very little user input, but it's never anything damaging, or would charge the customer without their permission, right? Like there's there are a lot of auto, a lot of shopping automation type things, and so that's that's essentially what you leverage, right? You it's like okay, well they've picked you know all of these things, but before all this, we got all of the products and we know everything about them, we know how they're relevant, and that's then that's how you build your flow, and then okay, we know which one they've picked because they clicked on it. We know what that one means in Shopify language. So then we just add that to the cart in the background when they click the button and then magic happens and then they buy it, right? There's, it's fascinating. That's actually really cool. So I'm flexible a, I'm, it is. Yeah, because I'm a huge fan of like, and I'm starting to see this in more and more software, um, but you, you're, you're obviously going to see this in e-commerce more so. This personalized, um, a personalized reactive layout. And what I mean by that is like, what I see as a user on your site should be vastly different than what somebody else's profile looks like on your site, right? Because it should tweak. And I was thinking about this, like, you know, like an algorithm, like last recently used where it's like, okay, on the nav bar, why should, I mean, your nav bar should actually change based on your usage, right? So like, if I'm constantly going to, um, my cart, why is the cart at the bottom? Just shift it to the top. Cause you realize that's the, the most useful thing to me. Right. So it's cool because you have your entire, and it's not easy to do, but like, it's a cool concept where you have basically the entire UI of your app or of your site, your e-commerce site. It doesn't matter. Change and adapt to the user's behavior. That's pretty fascinating. It's starting to take off a little bit more. Uh, again, not an easy thing to do, but it makes a ton of sense. Like Facebook does this on their mobile app if you pay attention. Um, I don't have their mobile app, so I don't pay attention to it intentionally. <laughs> That's okay. I can't but, fault you for that. But cool. It's it's a really cool idea, and I'm glad you're kind of you know taking that that personalized route because it it should be personalized. And now that I now that I've spent a ton of time on this, like a lot of places I buy things through, I notice. 
Like there are like little, like if you can imagine, you've seen the Matrix movies, right? Oh yeah. So in the spoilers, um, the point where he realizes something is kind of off, like yes. it, it, it like he doesn't quite like it. Something catches his attention, but he hasn't quite figured it out yet. That's I'm starting to have that kind of reaction when I'm on a bunch of different e-commerce sites because I'm like, hmm, that little thing right here in the corner looks really fucking familiar. And then I open the code because I'm a nerd and I'm like, ha, yet another Shopify store. And then I start digging it like, well, how did they do that? Right. Like, because you know, I've now I you're reverse a lot of, engineering it. <laughs> right. I'm like, huh. OK, so they did that and they did that. Oh, OK, OK, OK. Right, right. Right. And I just basically rinse and repeat through everything I <laughs> every company I purchase. Sorry, guys. I'm, you know, ripping every. Well, what's the saying? Um, Good artists create, great artists steal. (laughs) There you go. Creativity doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's what I'm saying. You got to steal some stuff. Listen, if somebody is doing something amazing, steal it. Like, (laughs) like that's how this works. You know what I mean? You don't. I'm sorry. This whole like, I just dreamt of this last night and it was amazing. I'm like, no, you saw some other people doing it and you iterated and that's totally mm-hmm. fine because I'm sure as heck going to do it because I, I kid you not, I'm looking at Superhuman, the email app, and I'm seeing you know, how they're approaching certain things. I'm like, we're doing that in, in our software during the rebuild. Hands down, like this whole idea of like having every UI interaction be less than 100 milliseconds, I'm like, that's genius. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that because it just makes it feel faster. Like nothing is really faster, but it makes it feel faster to the user. I'm like, yeah, we're still on that. Done. I'm going to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated at how quickly, you know, I described Shopify's templating system being very complex. I'm I am astounded. I am flabbergasted, amazed, astonished if you will. I keep using all these words at how quickly they can turn a change into something live. Okay. The whole system it, it takes all of those files and then creates essentially the equivalent of like a static HTML for it, yeah. right? Sure. It does it like that practically. Really? And it's Jeez. just fascinating how quickly it turns that stuff around i'm just like oh my god my nerd senses are right so hard right now right how are you the doing things this? that fascinate me yeah um speaking of things that fascinate you what uh what new tech you've been purchasing lately um and so in terms of hardware really nothing um so I, I'm, I'm a big watch guy, but I haven't had a watch in a hot minute just because of the move. And I sold my last two. Um, I trade watches every now and then. Time is a flat circle, Dylan. <laughs> just like Earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, totally kidding. Good God, don't ever believe that. Um, but but I do see a use case for having like um, an Apple Watch. I do to a certain degree. So I kind of go back and forth where I do like old school mechanical watches because they are just beautiful pieces of, of work. Um, but then – you know, an Apple watch is kind of useful, but then like they don't last forever. So like, I'm in this weird conundrum where I just don't know what to do. (laughs) Um, I am starting to play around, um, with like NFC stickers. So I'm on iOS 14, um, which is the, how is it? You're braver than I am, which is surprising. So, well, it's not like the dev beta, like there's difference between like the dev. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's public beta. So like it's relatively secure. Um, or stable, should I say? It's not really a security problem. It's <laughs> more stable. It's the cure. Yeah. <laughs> I um, love it. But what's cool is like, I got it because now Siri shortcut automations, previously you still had to confirm it. It would just give you a notification, be like, do you want us to run this? And you'd have to be like, yes, run. So it's not true automation. They got rid of that. So now I can literally have so much just auto trigger in the sense of like, when I connect to the office 
um, the office Wi-Fi, I can have something automatically run on my phone in my pocket and me not know. Which oh, is like, like the, right. So like we have Apple TVs. We just got like some TVs and monitors um, pl- placed in here, like the conference room. And like we have like a little lounge area that we built out. So whenever I connect to the Wi-Fi, it turns on both Apple TVs and then s- waits like three to five seconds and then sets them both to um, screensaver mode. Oh, that's beautiful. So by the time I get into the office, they're just on like – it's gorgeous. Um, so you have that. But then NFC stickers are pretty cool because – for a pack of 25, it's like 12 bucks on Amazon and you just place them somewhere, anywhere. And if you tap, so if I tap my phone on it, I can have something happen. But if you tap your phone on that exact same sticker, you can have something else happen. So super cool stuff on the automation side. Um, on the software side, I've really doubled down on Todoist, like heavy, like I'm paying them kind of heavy. It's not Todoist. It's not Todoist. Um, <laughs> but literally I love that application with a passion. Um, Right now, I am testing one that just got released on Product Hunt called Reclaim.ai. I think that's it. Um, So basically – so here's what they do. Um, I'm a huge fan of calendar time blocking. The problem and why I don't do it is because I have to manually go in – add a task as the time. If, if I get pulled away from something, I can't, I can't have it automatically do that. What I want is to dump all my tasks, tell a system how long it's going to take and when they are due, and then just – Look at my calendar and schedule it for me. And if I need to add something on top of it, reschedule these tasks to get done. Reclaim basically does that. So I go, here's all my tasks. Here's my habits. Here's when I want to get them done. Here's the optimal time. Just go schedule it for me. And I can, yeah, no, it's amazing. And I'm actually talking to the founders via their intercom because I'm that dork. And (laughs) I was like, you know, because they're they're talking about integrations and they're talking about integrating with Todoist, which if they do that, it's literally a game changer because I can still dump everything in my Todoist inbox like I currently do, you know, assign it a project, a priority, and then just have Reclaim actually manage when I get those things done based on due dates. Again, decision fatigue is a real problem. <laughs> so this allows me to negate that. And what's cool is it's free completely up until like January or something. And then I think it's like nine, 10 bucks a month. So I'm like, yeah, perfect time to start testing it. And I've, I started testing it yesterday and I'm really playing with it today and I'm actually really impressed with it. So, um, I, I like handing over more tasks to computers and this is one that's, it's a perfect fit. I mean, really it's the perfect task for a computer to do. Because again, if I if I block out times in my calendar for the entire week and one thing messes everything and they all have to shift, I have to manually now go take the time to shift everything and recalculate when they get done and when they don't get done. Now, Reclaim is just going to do it for me automatically in like less than a minute. I love it. Real time. I, I, I built something somewhat manual to solve a similar-ish problem, maybe not so much the adjustment of events in real time, but combining all of the separate calendars into one like master calendar right like for this for this particular show right like as you know i have you know i have a personal calendar and i have two work calendars that i have sure. to somehow extract out of the organization in a safe way <laughs> and combine them into one master location so when we schedule guests right there's no overlap yeah i have that problem too <laughs> it's a lot harder than it sounds but i did eventually get it to work but Man, is it fragile. Holy cow. Yeah. Now, granted, sure. because of my situation, I don't think I could ever do it any other way. So I'm a little stuck. But if you have the ability to hook something like that up, by all means, go for it. Trust me, you never want to do it by hand. It is such a pain in the ass. Google Apps Script 
is so terrible. It yeah, I've, so I've actually bad. played around with Google Apps Script um, mainly for for Gmail usage. So basically, I wrote a script that would run like twice a day, and basically, if an email was labeled as optional and older than fifteen days, it would just straight up delete it. Basically, it just auto cleaned like junk. Um, but even that, like the code was way too long for what it should have been. Like it was like thirty to fifty lines of code. I'm like, really? Like that should be like ten, fifteen max. Absolutely nuts. But yeah, and it's not the easiest code to read, which I kind of don't like. Oh God, because I don't even like, know. I couldn't even. I, it's. I did this so long ago now that if I had to go back and fix it, I don't know if I could. Right. <laughs> and, and what's funny is like I'm. I'm pretty like regardless of like. For the most part, I can read most code. I can tell you what's what, like what's going on in the logic. But their code, I'm like, I have no freaking clue. Like Python's so easy to read. Like I'm such a script kitty, but like Python, I'm like, give me any Python code. I can read read it and tell you exactly what it's doing because <laughs> it's so <laughs> clear cut. Um, but so so that's one. Um, oh, yeah. So I do, we might have talked about this. The Wing AI Assistant. Have we talked about that? Wing, maybe. Oh, that's the one. We, that's the one that has the pseudo humans that do things for you. Like, yeah, it's tell like your girlfriend that you love them. Yeah, yes, I did test that. That was kind of funny. Um, I'm sorry, Dylan's girlfriend. Right. I was like, text, text my girlfriend, ask her what she wants for for dinner. And she's literally sat next to me, and they did it. It was so great. Oh. Um, but it is cool in the sense of, and it's actually coming out this week or tomorrow on um, AMZ Weekly. I'm, I'm sharing it because I am a huge fan. Ten bucks a month, and I'm, I've had it so far. Find me flights for like business trips i've had it find me and call to make a scheduled appointment for a haircut which is cool i've had them find me food order food um in terms of like being busy and having a lot going on and not really wanting to pay like a human virtual assistant i think it's it's a really good solution that's they're still early so it's gonna get better over time but for 10 bucks a month it's cheap, so it's not a cost problem. They can mm-hmm. do fairly complex things, I would say, uh, and they don't charge you per task or per hour use like a getmagic.com would, which I think getmagic.com, they're going to be able to do way more because it's purely humans. There is no automation. I mean there's streamlining and efficiencies, but there's no like AI or you know, take AI with a grain of salt, by the way. It's just all hard math problem. Yeah, right. It's it's all APIs. There's no intelligence like, in anything. No, there's not. Um, <laughs> just like but, the cloud is just someone else's computer. Yeah, exactly. It's literally still just on the on the ground somewhere. Um, right. But but what's cool is, you know, getmagic.com is going to cost you about thirty five dollars per hour, and their average task takes about thirty minutes. Right. So it's like, ah, is it worth paying? You know, thirty five divided by two. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. Right. Do you really want to pay almost twenty bucks? Just for somebody to save you 30 minutes, you might. It depends on where you are. I'm still kind of like, I don't know if that makes sense. But the more I use Wing, the cheaper it gets, right, per task, right? Because it's just it's a flat fee of 10 bucks. And if I want to be able to do a little bit more, um, it's like 20 bucks is their top tier. So I would highly recommend trying it. Um, they have like a 14-day trial, and it's really not gated or like restricted. Um, and just start dumping it stuff. Just be like, yo, I need, I need to find a flight from here to here between these times. And this is my preference. And they will dump you a link and be like, here you go. Or be like, Hey, I'm looking for a date night, um, you know, dinner reservation this evening. Um, we want tacos, find me a place that has, you know, good reviews, um, great margaritas and is a good date destination. And, and they'll be like, Hey, here's two we found cool. And you'll say, yeah, like the first one they'll, then reply back, hey, do you want us to book a reservation for you? And the, just book it. And then you can say, hey, add that to my calendar too with with uh, with the address and all that stuff. 
So it's kind of cool. It can save you, you know, it's less business related stuff. It's more just like on the personal side. So that's pretty cool. So I've, I've been really playing with that. I'm trying to find more use cases for it. Um, but for 10 bucks a month, you don't need a ton, <laughs> to be honest. What I'm, what I'm surprised is that you don't have your own like army of minions a la Despicable Me. Oh God, that's my, that's my dream to be honest. It really is. <laughs> I, I have a lot strung together via like Zapier. Um, the, the hard part and what really annoys me and what really grinds my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? Is that, <laughs> I was trying to make you spit out your coffee. Um, <laughs> is that a lot of this stuff I could build myself. The hard part is actually getting good data or, or finding APIs. Prime example I was playing with Foursquare's API um, this past weekend. We're just doing a little hackathon here. They still exist. They do actually, and I I actually use them pretty heavily. (laughs) Um, They're not up on them when they stopped doing the point system. I loved collecting the points when I checked in places. So I just like them because basically I won't eat at a place that has less than an eight rating just because I've tested it. And if you're an eight or plus, you're probably pretty solid. (laughs) Like an eight or a Kansas eight. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) that's fair. That's fair. and so I was playing with their API because what I wanted to do was just say, here's the type of food or the type of category I want. And like, here's how much money I'm trying to spend. Just find me a place and recommend it. And what's great is like their API is decent. So like I got that built out. But the problem is if you want to filter or query based off the rating system, which was kind of important, that's now their premium API and you have to pay for that per month. Of course. Well, they had to figure out how to make money at some point, right? Sure. But you're, you're just like, you're, you're negating people building cool things, you know, because here's what all I want to, I want to build a simple application. Now I'm just doing this in Python in the terminal just to like play with the logic, but I'm like, no, it would be cool to have a mobile app that says, Hey, I'm hungry. Cool. What kind of food do you want? How much money are you trying to spend? It'll know your location, a, set a radius and just say, go. And then give you three places that match your criteria and then decision fatigue out the door. You can what even you say like to do, a place I've never gone to. What you need to do then is have the wing people use Foursquare for you. <laughs> yeah. Just true. tell them you have to make this decision based on Foursquare data only. Yeah, that's true. Well, what's cool Boom, is they, they can – they Sell are it. looking at Yelp. I, I know that for a fact. Um, so I can tell them like, hey, make sure it's got uh, a you know, 8 out of 10 rating minimum. And they typically do that. They're not going to jump in there and recommend you like a one-star place. Like they're they're not going to do that from what I've noticed. This place might not even be open, but you know what? You should go anyways. <laughs> yeah. So so Wing does do part of that. Um, but in, in terms of like building my own versions of a lot of this stuff, it's honestly like wrangling the data, even just getting access to a lot of this data um, and being able to pro- um, programmatically – do these tasks is actually really complex when you get to the nitty gritty of it. I was telling my co-founder, I was like, you know, a lot of, a lot of engineers want to solve these big, massive, sexy goals. And I, I get that. And I, I am in agreement with it because they should be solved, but there's so many things that as humans, we should not be doing ever again. And it's utilitarian. Why are we shopping as humans anymore? Really? Like I should be able to jump in Slack and say, yo dude, here's what I want. Just have it show up at my house. Like there, or, or just be like, Hey, here's my diet. Here's my budget. Just go design a grocery list that ma- like, listen, that sounds easy. That's an optimization problem. So it's not easy, but it is worth solving because you know, the impact of that, if everybody started to use it, <laughs> oh my God. And I would pay, I would literally pay 20 bucks a month for me to dump somebody. I shop at Trader Joe's. Here's my weekly budget. Here's the things I can and cannot eat. Design that for me, please. And then I could, if I wanted to, 
have that integrated with um, a TaskRabbit or with a um, with an Instacart and then just literally push that order over it, have it ordered. And then I could say, you know what, every every Sunday, just do that whole thing for me. So every Sunday at 2 p.m., guess what's arriving? My groceries. <sighs> it's not easy, but it's worth it. Booking I'm, flights. I'm, Humans shouldn't be book, booking flights ever again. I'm concerned about you, Dylan. I'm afraid that you're at a point of no return for humanity. Oh, dude, I've been here. <laughs> I have I have been on that fence for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that by the next time that we speak, you will have shed your biological <laughs> self and will just be a box on the floor. Revealed my, uh, my true nature. Beep boop. My name, <laughs> Dylan. I am human. <laughs> but am I wrong? Like, I mean, think about like a lot of these things you have I to like do. I like grocery shopping. So no, I don't know if you're oh, the my, best oh, person you're that person. Okay. That. I like, it's, it's cathartic at times and I like the, Which is I like fair, the process sure. of it. I think more than anything. And that's understandable. Like, I don't hate the process of it, and I'm just using that as an example, but there's a ton of administrative personal tasks in life that it's like, if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't do it. That's fair. No, you you have a valid point, and I think I think everyone will fall somewhere different on that spectrum. I don't think there's yeah, exactly. a, one best or worst way to do it. I suppose that's all even subjective, but no, I get it. I get it. I think do what, do what works for you, man. I, 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 I doubt I would ever get to that point anytime soon. I mean, I've done grocery delivery before. It was fine, but it just didn't have the same feeling that I think I was looking for. So sure. But you're doing it not out of utility, out of actual, like you're, you're getting a physiological like enjoyment out of it. Right. So like, that's, that's different. I'm Um, addicted to the aisles, Dylan. Right. Like, well, but it could be like you and your wife go and like, that's like, you know, time where you guys get to spend time together and like enjoy that. So like, I'm not, I don't want to take away from something like that. Like if that's part of it, that's different. But if it's like, single guy in his 20s you know i'm not single but you get what i'm saying is like yeah i had to to recap that one um (laughs) but you get what i'm saying right is like i would rather not do that and then me and her go to a bookstore together because that's kind of our thing like that's our day dates it's like we go get coffee we go to a bookstore and we just like geek out for a while so i would rather trade that time for that versus you know the grocery shopping but, but that's, a, all that's a good is, way to good way to recover that and, and make it a little feel good moment. Okay. <laughs> right. I'll give you points for that. That's really my point, though. Is like I, you know, I. It's not that I don't want to do anything. I'm not like lazy, lazy. It's just like, is it really worth a human's hour to do that thing? And really, when you when you put the two options in front of most people, that is like you could do it or you could not do it, and it still gets done, and it's not going to cost you hardly any money to offset that. They're probably going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to do – like I'm not going to go wash my car ever again if I don't have to. But if it still gets clean and I don't have to do it, I'm happy with that. <laughs> That's another thing. I'll never give up. But you know what? Oh, my God. You're just like – you're just – you're hardcore I'm, human. I am the human. I, 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 I applaud you, sir. <laughs> I spent three, I'm just trying to be Tony Stark, almost man. Almost four That's hours it. last not, – not last weekend, but the weekend before, I guess now. It is technically the middle of the week. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess it would have been like the beginning of August as we record or there. But yeah, the first weekend of August. Uh, fun fact. I know it's September, guys. We like to do things in advance. Today is August 13th, not <laughs> whenever. So, not time. Whenever. We're from the future. I don't even know. But yeah, no, the first weekend in August, I spent like four hours washing and detailing. And again, but did you enjoy it? Catharsis, right? Like, that's exactly. It, right? 100%. Like, it's, it, it really, it really scratches that itch. I know this is a family show. My, my recommendations aren't as robotic, shall we say? Well, no, I should take <laughs> that back, actually. I do have one. 
that's really fun. So I'm I'm a fan of native operating system applications, like things that were designed oh, yeah. Yeah, for same. the OS, same. right? In this, sure. in this particular case, Mac OS, right? So anything that is built as like a web app and then packaged as a Mac app, like never you can, works out. You know, yeah. Get out of here. Um, so there's one particular app that I've that I recently came across that I'm really a huge fan of. It does one thing and does one thing very well. It's called Retro Batch. Okay. Its sole purpose in life is image processing. Okay. And in what way? In in well, in it, just about any way you want, right? Oh, so it's sick. it's okay. an open ended like workflow type system where you are given an actual graphical interface where you can place little nodes on a flowchart that have separate steps and instructions. So like if you like if you need to take an image and you need to make four copies of it in different sizes and you need to add a watermark and you need to resize yeah. it and you need to do all those things, right? Like you could sit in your like little Photoshop and do all of those one at a time. Or or you could just take the raw file, send it into retro batch, click the play button, and then watch it just kind of so it's like a native Zapier, but for one specific use case. I love yes. that. Yes. Okay. It's $49 this, for the... Wait, hold on. Retro Batch by Flying Meat? Flying Meat is the software company. Yes. Flying Meat Software. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay. That's, that's, How much that's is it? One, one little small thing I love about like old school Mac software companies yes. is they all have like greatest they're names. Like there's Flying Meat. weird. There's um, Red Sweater which does uh, blogging software these like it's all these like indie dev shops it's it's awesome oh god i love it so much um so yeah retro badge 49 dollars. i mean you can pay less if you want to but some of the some of the cooler oh, features are, okay. are behind the 49 dollar tier um i think it's worth it like i probably got my money back within running it like five times really okay i feel like i don't do enough image processing for that to be a problem but I could I could see this solving a massive in, problem. In my case, where I have a bunch of assets that need to be in different sizes, like I you know I have a bunch of images all the, you know all the different products right, and I need to have them in a certain size. Like I need to have a large size, you have a small size, but it needs to be compressed for the web, you know all this other stuff, right? So, so you can actually have you can have one trigger folder and then have Hazel watch that or keyboard maestro watch that and then trigger that app to open and then run the workflow for you. So all you do is you drag it or throw it into, which it might have that built in natively. Um, but you just have it thrown into a folder and then just on the other side in like five minutes is your, your, your output. Yeah. So I have, I'll, I'll briefly describe this, this workflow. It has like six, six steps or so. So it has, it, it reads the original folder where all the, all the raw assets are. And then it splits off into three different scaling steps. So I have, you know, large, medium, and small for all three sizes. And then it all reconverges back into single step to set uh, metadata for all of the images, right? Okay. Copyright right. and other relevant sure. things. And then it writes them out to a new folder. And not only does it write them out to a new folder, it takes info from where it pulled the image from in the first place to create the file name. So in my original folder, I have everything out into subfolders based on the product. So then when it's writing out the image, it looks at the subfolder of the original folder that it was in to create the file name, which is like, I think that alone, I think was worth the price. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Easily, easily. So when I'm sitting here, you know, I have, I have at this particular time, I have eight raw assets that I need to process into 24 total unique images. Okay. Anytime I change those, what am I going to do? Make 24 files by hand? Like, Heck no. no. Right. Get out of here. Right. So that's, 
it, it's already paid for itself because I click on yeah. it. I click on it right now. Two, three, four, four seconds. Three and a quarter seconds. It did all of that for me. Dang. Have you ever, wait, so do you have, or have you ever tried Keyboard Maestro? I have, yeah. Did you like it? Because th- this is very Keyboard Maestro right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's, it, it, it could get the job done, I think, well enough. Not for this use case. I think I think RetroBatch solves this use case perfectly. But I'm just saying in, this, in the sense of like creating these automated workflow steps like for your Mac, Keyboard Maestro is like the best 60 bucks. Yeah. Actually, I think it oh, might yeah. be cheaper it, that I've ever spent. I don't know if it really matters at the, the price, I, yeah. honestly. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it really doesn't. For the I use it daily. Like literally daily. Like I, I created one when we got the Apple TVs in the conference room to where I hit a uh, caps lock tilde and then it literally just connects me to the Apple TV via like um, AirPlay. So I'm not going through and clicking. I just go boom, boom. We're up here. We're live. Like little things, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So then my, my second recommendation is not anything automated or software related at all, but I, I found myself this neat little um, desktop air conditioner. Uh, personal air cooler, portable abra- evaporative conditioner with three wind speeds, touchscreen, small desktop cooling fan, mini air conditioner fan for home, bedroom, room, office, dorm, car, camping tent. That's a lot just into one little unit. Amazon description. <laughs> Anybody that creates a long Amazon description, please go jump off a cliff. Yeah, seriously. This is a neat little dingus. It's okay. really, and it, it, it's super simple, but it's one of those things that I wanted to mention because even though it's really simple, it's it's like exactly what it needs to be. Like there's, it, it's not overcomplicated. It's not, it doesn't have any like Siri integration or anything like dumb like that. It's literally a box. <laughs> anything dumb like that as I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> and literally that's something I would want. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes. Well, the rest of us are normal people. That's fair. But it's literally a box with some like fabric fins dipping into a tank. Okay. It's basically, it's basically a desktop swamp cooler. Okay, yeah, right. I a get little, that. Yeah, you know, sure. a little, you know, nine by nine cube, right? With a like a with like a like a a PC fan in the back. Basically, <laughs> it's like probably like a hundred and forty millimeter PC fan okay. blowing everything around. Right, it's, right. It's hilarious how under engineered it is, but like it's <laughs> it's perfect. I have it blowing on me right now, and you wouldn't even be able to tell. Nice. Okay. You know, so it's quiet. Like yeah, it's quiet. It's forty dollars. Like this is. Send me the link. That's pretty cool, actually. I'll even put it in the show notes. I'll do. You yeah, one there better. you go. Um, it's one of those things that I think is a prime example of doing just exactly what you need to do to accomplish whatever, like whatever product you're trying to design. Right. It's it's just it's like it's not quite an MVP in that it's like a finished, complete, like polished product, but like it's, it's not trying to be anything else. Sure. Right. And I think this is a physical manifestation of how we should be designing our products and our software and blah, 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 blah. It just works. (laughs) It just works. Right. Yeah. That's fair. So that's my, that's my non-technical recommendation. If anyone's looking for a, a desktop fan, I looked at like tons of them. This was the only one that had actually really good ratings that I could find. Like, okay. I don't know how many of these ratings are bought. Probably a lot, but there are 1,072 <laughs> of them, and it says 4.8 out of 5. That's pretty decent, though. I I feel like that's kind of hard to do for just some Chinese random thing. Right, right. You know? So I, I think it gets a little bit of credit. And then... Nice. I have another one for you. Ooh, do it. I purchased a mechanical keyboard <gasps> with... Which one? With a Mac layout 
Ooh, spicy. It's less than $90. It's the Keychron K1. You mean this one? You have it? You dingus. <laughs> yes, that one. Dude, I bought this one last week, too. <laughs> really? Dude, I literally bought mine last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it Did arrived it, yeah. two days for, ago or something. From um, DHL? Yeah, from DHL, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, I so I, got, I, got the, I didn't get the RGB, so I just got the white background. But I got the blue, blue, blue um, keys because you know aura's blue. Yeah, so mine, um, mine is the the um, the ten keyless with the arrows. Yeah, yeah, separate. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, I know. That's, that's what mine that's is. So on like on point right now, dude. I love. love so I've I've always loved mechanical keyboards, but I've never liked the form function because it just doesn't work with like Mac or Apple design products. And I saw this one. I was like, okay, it does. It's a happy medium. Yes. It's a nice hybrid between the two. And when I say I started to type on this thing and fell in love with it, I am not kidding. <laughs> and it is less that like we're considering making these like this the standard keyboard for all employees because one, it's like ninety bucks. It's Bluetooth wireless. It's got built-in USB to USB C charging, and it, you can run it cabled if you want to. Um, this thing is amazing. Like I love, love, love typing on this thing with a passion. Which key switches did you get? Which key switches? What do you mean? There are when you when you purchase there there are several uh, key switch options: reds, blues, uh-huh. browns. No, Which I get the blues. Get? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I blues. get the blues. That's, oh, oh. Did you get the regular blues or the low profile blues? Oh, you know I don't know. I don't remember because so they were out of stock. Because, okay, so I they picked up the stock, low profile so... because my be- my biggest beef with mechanical keyboards is the keys are too tall. Yeah, so I, I feel like mine profile. are kind of tall, but I kind of like that. I'll, I'll send you yeah, a screenshot yeah. in, a, in a bit via text and, and see which one. I don't think they're low profile, to be honest, but they could be. Um, right. Like It doesn't feel like a, t- a traditional mechanical keyboard that it's like it's a hard press. But yeah. that tactical like – It's great. Per, like the the oh, God. Yeah, it's just – it feels so, it's, it's thick. Joyful. It's a nice thick boy too. I love it. Yeah. So Dylan, we're an hour and a half into this crazy program. Yes. Take us out. I have 2% battery life. Dink. <laughs> 